And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, PMH Atwater with us. Her book, again, is called Edgewalker, talking about her days in Idaho. Did did you Have you been back to Idaho since? Um, um, well, about seven years ago I did, but that's all. It's a great state, though. Oh, yes. Yes, I love that state. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of wildlife, um, the desert in, in, in the um, middle of uh, uh, well, the lower part of the state. And then you go up to the high mountains and the big lakes. Yeah, it's quite a state. Yeah, it sure is. We're going to take your calls in just a moment. But this is a fascinating moment with you. Since you've been doing this, do you remember Larry King? Oh, yeah, I do. I was on his show a couple of times. Yeah, I know. Uh, I was, too. And uh, I was with Buzz Aldrin. We were talking about extraterrestrials and things like that. But uh, I miss I miss his style, don't you? Yes, I do. <laughs> he was, he was so, so much fun to be with a very very unique man yep he and was so he was. are you well George. where i'm old school like he was you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're old school there's yep, no, yep, and there's are. nothing wrong with old school well you know my phone that i'm speaking to now with my phone is on my wall this is <laughs> a real <laughs> phone it's on the wall in my my kitchen and I have this long cord, you know, re, um, reaching up to the receiver. And you're sitting at a table, probably, with a little cup of, cop, cup of coffee next no, to you. No, I'm standing up, and I'm enjoying this. <laughs> well, this hour is going to fly by as we take calls. You ready for some? Sure. Let's go to Julie in Columbus, Ohio, where I was just there this past weekend. Hi, Julie. Hi, George. I was there. How'd you like it? It was out. Standing, you look marvelous. What'd you think you of my What'd you think of my singing, Julie? I loved it. I thought you were. I, I loved the videos and the singing. You were just fan, you were as good as Frank Sinatra. Excellent, thank you, Julie. Go ahead. You're on with PMH. Okay, I was um, in Wyoming with a program called National Outdoor Leadership Program School in um, when I was about twenty. Okay. And, a couple weeks, oh no, 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 about six days into the mountains. We were deep into the mountains, like up in the glaciers. And I got this really strange feeling that I had to get out. I had to hike out. And they were not happy with me, but I had to get out. And I did. And I don't remember the hike, but they said, you know, at the end of the hike, you're going to come up to some cowboys collecting some horses. Anyway, bottom line is I get home. I'm lying in bed depressed thinking, what was that about? I, I was trying to find myself. And um, I get a phone call. My mom says, you know, you got a phone call. And I come out of bed, I drag myself out of bed, and I said, this woman on the phone says, how did you know? I said, how did I know what? She said, we're all in the hospital with frostbite. How did I know to get out before? Okay, I thought maybe it was the barometric pressure dropped. Maybe, you know, I'm sensitive to this pressure. But I had a strong feeling, pit in my stomach feeling I had to get out of the mountains, and I knew nothing about it. What do you think? Well, I think your intuition is talking loud and clear. Probably your own, um, 
your own self, your deeper self. We do have a mechanism in our system, yeah. don't we, PMH? Yeah, all of us do, if we'll just listen to it. That that inner self, that the um, the soul, your soul, talking to you and say, "Get out of there." Um, yeah, yeah. If, if, we, if we would listen to our soul, that spiritual part of us, we would we would get in a lot less problems. Absolutely, listen to your soul. Great. Any follow up there, Julie? Well, just feel like that. That's been my whole life now. Well, very good. Probably. You, you, you're more, you're more spiritual now. I am, and I, and I, you scared. and you learned. It's you scared. learned that that inner voice and to follow that inner voice and 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 to be more spiritual in the sense that you know that's the greater reality. Thanks, Julie, and thank you for coming out to our show in Columbus, Ohio. We had a great time there, PMH. Anyway, you're in, you're in Richmond, Virginia these days, right? No, I um I, um I live about seven miles north of Charlotte's Charlottesville. Um, I, occasionally I, I will visit Richmond, but no, I I I live near Charlottesville. We got to get you on our Beyond Belief television programs. We oh, gotta, sure, I'd love to. They'd fly you to Colorado. I'll uh, make sure they get your name and number. Okay. Sure. <laughs> You'll have fun on that. Thomas in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tom, go ahead. Hi, George. How are you doing? Wonderful. Hope you are, too. Yeah, I'm okay. Um, I have a few questions to ask before that. I was thinking of quoting some scripture. Do you want to hear it? Uh, get to your question with PMH first. Okay. I was six years old, and I was in a car accident. And this car accident was on Christmas morning, 85. It's hard for me to discern what happened. But I was in a coma for 13 days and released from hospital eight days later, very miraculously. And I just thought I'd get your guest take on what you might have thought happened. What are your thoughts? Did you pick up on that, PMH? Well, it, it, it's kind of hard to follow this wonderful person that's on, on the line. Um, many times a person will not remember all of the things that happened to them, um, but they'll still go through the after effects of a near-death experience. If you go through those after effects, then you know you had one. Uh, and the after effects are, are things like um, metabolic changes in your body, a greater sensitivity, an increase in allergy, allergies, breathing anomalies, substantially lower blood pressure. Um, 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 you go through these kinds of changes um, that make you, um, and it's almost like you become an entirely different person. Do you become a better person? Well, I think so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, remember, um, one out of seven in my research base 
had a more uh, unpleasant or hellish type of experience. And those people afterward had had problems with their life and lots of problems because they were so unhappy. Um, but uh, but the rest is, rest of them, um, yeah, you, you, you come much. You become much happier, yes, um, um, more on time, more on time in the sense that um, you have a greater expanse of the world, of yourself, of your life, the people around you. Um, yeah, you're more settled in your life. More settled in the in the sense of the spiritual. Absolutely. Let's go to Joe in uh, Long Island, New York. Hey, Joseph, go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have two questions, basically. Uh, first, I have a two-part questions. Uh, let's, uh, let's go one at a time, Joey. Go yeah, ahead. Okay. The first one we'll do uh, basically with the angels from. I would say no, that the angels just don't show up in life and death situations. I think they show up in relatively innocuous and mundane situations, possibly to give you a message that might not be life-altering but may be important so the message will stand out more. And then, well, Yeah, whenever you need it. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. So my question would be, should you really calculate that they'll show up, or you don't want to take undue risk and hope an angel will rescue you either? You never know when it's going to happen. When you, you least expect them. They're going to be there. And, and you never know how they're going to be there. They just come. They come when you're ready when the when the time is right, it's not something you can plan on. Let's go for your second question, Joseph. Yeah, my second question relates to the previous guest. Maurice was talking about how people are crazy, uh, which you know maybe means wild. But say you do have some personal issues. Uh, is it better to, in terms of self-talk, get to the the crux of it? Get to what you really think, and and kind of be authentic, and then from there, kind of if you need to fix something, fix it from there, rather than kind of lying to yourself or lying to other people. Well, take up meditation. That's a wonderful head clearer. Um, any form of of prayer, meditation. Going within, realizing that um, that you're here to learn, you're here to give, um, you're here to experience all parts of life, and do that um, knowing that life is is a great teacher, and learn all you can from it. Um, um, I, I, I would like to share with you, if I can, 
what I call the litany of fear. What is that? Fear is the mind killer. It is the little death. I will face my fear. It will go around me and through me. And when it is gone, I will remain. You know, I used to chant this often after I died. In, in coming back, coming back for, for me was tough because I had to relearn how to stand, how to crawl, how to tell the difference between left and right, see properly, hear properly, redo all of my belief systems. Uh, it was really tough afterward. It, it, yeah. and, and just... Um, just uh, um, having that litany, um, saying that litany, help me to um, help me to recover. Help help me to, um, um, to go through what I was going through and realize it, that I could go through it in a positive way that I would learn from it, I would grow from it, and um, yeah, yeah, I would come out of this in good shape. PMH, do you wish that this would never happen to somebody else, or does that matter? doesn't matter. You're going to get what you need, whether you like it or, or not. Was there any pain associated with the near-death experience? Oh, sure. There is. Lots of pain. Um, yeah, whether it's mental, physical. You know, most of the near-death experiences come from pain, from being in an accident, a heart attack, whatever. Um, in my own, certainly in my own case, it, it came from from being raped, and then um, uh, go, going through the complications of that rape. Uh, but for most people, it comes from an automobile accident or surgery or... Uh, um, Heart attack, something yeah, like that. Um, sure. These don't come simple. Let's go to Jeremy in Jamestown, North Dakota. You're going to hear quite a story here. Go ahead, Jeremy. Hello, George. I want to tell her that 19 years, 10 months, and 11 days ago, on December 8, 2003, I was driving my Kia Rio up an icy hill. A Ford pickup started to slide down the hill. The Ford slid clear across my lane, hit my Kia Rio, head onto my shoulder at about 25 miles an hour. The airbag in the seatbelt of my Kia Rio did not work at all. Immediately, I was in a coma for two and a half months. When I woke up from my coma, they told me I broke femurs, shattered broken caps, broke a foot, almost got my left pinky cut off, and injured my little brain. Is there a reason why I was saved and haven't been told yet? And let me ask you this, Jeremy, before we go to PMH. Did you think you had a near-death experience or just be in a coma? Um, I was, uh, in my, just before I woke up from my coma, I was wandering up. I, at least I was thinking I was wandering up a mountain pathway with my 
current wife at the time. And as we were nearing the top, a big bunch of boulders started falling because the mountain was shaking. I found a cave to guide her into. And right after I got her inside, I was hit by a boulder and knocked off the cliff and was falling to the ground. Now, PMH has been in a coma for two months, like dying? Uh, certainly. I, w- I, w- I would think so. It's like dying. Um, but you couldn't call it a real near-death experience. No, I wouldn't. But what I w- would say is this man's life was tur- turned, ar- turned around. Upside down. In a very yeah. dra- dramatic way. Yeah. Um, and uh, I-, I applaud that you're back again. And that you're able to think and f- feel good, feel good, absolutely. Um, re- read some of the near-death books, um, especially near-death experiences. The rest of the story, or uh, the big book of near-death experiences. This will help you to be a lot m- more familiar with th- this type of phenomenon. Phenomenon. And and find out for yourself uh, if you really fit. Truly remarkable, PMH, isn't it? Oh, it's abs- absolutely re- remarkable. I'm so glad you're back. Um, and he's yeah, he's better than ever. Experience, but who's to say? Uh, it certainly was a life changing experience, and a very. Uh, yeah, and a very wonderful one in the sense that what you you learned, what it gave you, um, enhanced your life greatly. PMH, give out your website one more time, please. www.pmhatwater.com And the last name is Atwater. Yeah, <laughs> like is, you're at the water. Is that yeah. Swedish? What? Is that Swedish? I don't know. Uh, because remember, my my husband is uh, is an African-American. That's a good point. All right. Well, we're going to come back and wrap things up with you in a moment on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to our final segment with PMH Atwater. George Norrie with you and PMH with the book Edgewalker. What are some of the favorite parts of the book that you really enjoyed putting together? Wow. It would be chapter 31. Um, yes, um, because I give all of, of the reasons and research, research I found. Well, that's called In Between. what it's all about. What is it all about? Well, what it's all about is changing and growing, but in different kinds of ways. And I, I, I identify those different kinds of ways and, um, and how they work. So I do that all in Chapter 31. By the way, the first five years of my life, in the reclaimed deserts of southern Idaho, I was raised by Norwegians. <laughs> Figure that one out. They're good people. 
are. Yeah, we would have we would have uh, fish for breakfast. You almost always have fish for breakfast. For breakfast, yeah. Breakfast, yes, fish. <laughs> yeah, that's a good Norwegian. So where do you go next with this? I mean, you've done this for since '77. You've had these experiences. What's next for you, PMH? Well, I'm moving into the alien thing, you know. Yes. And I, I hope also to move into painting. I want someday to paint. I, I want to learn how to paint. And I've always wanted to do that. You mean like on a canvas or yeah. like walls of a house? No, <laughs> canvas. Canvas, yeah. Good I'd like you. to be a painter. Have you ever done that before? No. Not even dabbled with it? No. That's interesting. Nope. I, I, I've done uh, drawings in that sense of having a pencil, but never a painting in that sense of having a paintbrush. And I always thought, whoa, this is, that would be so great. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to the phones. You ready for more calls? Sure. Catherine in British Columbia, Canada is with us. Hi, Catherine. Hi, you guys. I'm telling you, this is such a delight to listen to PMH here. I'm, I'm intrigued to pick your brain to find out what makes you so full of life. I, I, I know one thing. It has to be you have overcome many trials that gives you this joy, but um, what, how do, what is your trick to, to living such a long, vibrant age? Thank you. I just know that every single day is filled with so much magic. And I can take that magic and do whatever I want with it. Um, and I do. I, I I just love each and every day, each and every moment. Even the bad ones are good. Even the bad ones, because you learn from them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just wow. Just to be alive on the earth plane, and being able to give and to share. And to laugh, that's joy. Would you say that you are now a better person since these near-death experiences? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And just to touch my husband's skin, you know, that to me is a miracle. It's a a miracle just to touch his skin. Do you have any regrets of coming back? None. Well... I have one. What is that? And that is that I I truly, um, it truly bothers me that I could not have done more for my three children. I put all of my efforts into the work I was doing. Of course, they each had their own lives and, you know, did what they could with their lives and did well, I think. 
but it, but it still kind of bothers me a little bit that I could not have done more, and uh, and I share that because when the uh, book Edgewalker came out, my son well, won't even open it up, wants nothing to do with it. My uh, oldest daughter re- read it up to chapter five, and that was enough for her. Huh. My youngest one said, well, someday I'll read it, um, and maybe not. I'm not even your kid, and I read it. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, my own three children, I guess it's because they lost their mother. But did and they for did, did, all did, of those many years, research came first, and it did. Did you immerse yourself in this? Yeah, totally. If you had to do it all over again, what changes would you make? If I had to do it all over again, I would do the same thing because that was my job. So you don't have any regrets? No. Good for you. Well, regrets in the sense that I wish I could have done more for and with my kids, but that's all. Um, yes, I was a mother. Yes, I did a lot with them. But I wish I could have done a little bit more. Uh, I think any mother um, would feel that way. But other than that, no, that, that voice like none other was so huge and so big. And and what I learned from dying and coming back and doing all the research I've done and helping all these people, thousands and thousands. I, I mean, it would be no exaggeration at all to say that my, my work has affected over uh, 100,000 people or more. And, and my research um, directly uh, my work uh, over ten thousand, and, and and that's personal. Um, yeah, all of that, and, and to realize that that every breath you take, that's wonderful. And just to touch your skin, to touch anybody else's skin, to be around everybody, to breathe, it's just, wonderful. Yeah. Let's go to Robert in North Dakota. Hey, Robert, go ahead, sir. Hey, um, you know, it's been an amazing show to be able to listen to somebody that's, you could say, going on vacation to the same place that you did. <laughs> an interesting experience. Yeah, and I love your laugh. It is just it wonderful. Is, it's a cute laugh, it isn't it, Robert? everybody's day. Oh, yeah, it all does. <laughs> yeah, now, I died, and I don't call it a near-death experience because I did die. Okay. And I went to the other side, and I spent a lot of time there. And when I say a lot of time, that doesn't really make sense because on the other side, there is no time. Right. So to, to say I spent time, it wasn't really time, but it was lifetimes of experiences. And yeah. I wanted to talk tonight just a little bit about the way that I know that this really happened. My okay. 
brother-in-law is a neuroscientist, and he said when you had sepsis, your fever was super high, and you were hallucinating and had dreams. Well, when I was in heaven, we had assignments that we would do. And those assignments were carried out with a companion. You went out in pairs of two. And just like you were talking about the person that was drowning and that arm reached down and picked them up, yeah. those were the kind of assignments that you did. You were changing lives. But anyway, I'm back here on Earth. I had an opportunity to come back. It was a, a choice that I made. And my companion... Any regrets on that choice, Robert? Any regrets on coming no, back? No, not at all. Good not at all. I was helping people and... You know, in this universe, it wasn't just here in the in on Earth. It was everywhere. And so I had an opportunity to come back and make a difference in my own family. Right. Um, right. It was hard for me to change people's lives and see that my own family was falling apart. But let's go to the no. let's jump forward to when I came back to Earth. One day I'm just listening to soft music. And I hear this song. This guy starts playing um, a guitar. And all of a sudden, I started to sing the words to the song. I knew every word. I could sing it, and I find myself now singing that song. What was the song? I'm curious. The song, well, you got to hear this first. The song is in Chinese. I don't speak Chinese. Oh, my gosh. I can tell you what. And... I can sing it in Chinese. I could sing it for you right now. My companion in heaven was Chinese. And, you know, when you speak and you communicate with people on the other side, you touch each other's minds. Otherwise, you know their thoughts. And that was one of um, her favorite songs was this song. And it's called, um, The Moon Represents My Heart. And and so for me, I start singing this song in Chinese, and I know all the words. People around me are going, when did you? I didn't even <laughs> know what language I was speaking, to tell you the truth. I researched the guy that was playing the um, guitar and found out what the name of it was and looked it up on the Internet, and it was, like, amazing. So those experiences are real. They're amazing. Now what my, Craig... my good friend, let me tell you... You had a near-death experience. That's what they call. That's what they're called near-death experiences. But you had a transcendent near-death experience. <clears throat> Abs- <clears throat> Excuse me. Absolutely transcendent. But you had a near-death experience. I died too. Physically died three times. For a moment. But that's still called a near-death ex- experience. Right. Even though you know. You were absolutely dead. But your brain was still functioning, right? Yes. But, but it's a different kind of, of brain because you're not there. You're elsewhere. And as our wonderful friend is sharing with us, uh, I found four different types of, of near-death experiences. And, and you, my fr- friend, it's it's what I would call, uh, uh, you had what I would call a transcendent near-death experience. What about children, PMH? Do they have these kinds of experiences, too? You I would betcha. guess, yeah. You betcha. And some of them have them even in the womb. 
Wow. And um, especially at birth. My guest before you came on was talking about some astrological signs. And you know how, like, I say I'm a Gemini. I was born on June 4th and stuff. But he said your actual sign is at inception. So you back it up nine months. That's really your astrological sign. What do you think of that? I used to take uh, astrology classes, too. And um, there's, there's some validity to that. Yes. There is, there is validity to that. That's intriguing. I think I'm going to have to count back nine months yeah. from June 4th and see what I would be. <laughs> yeah, do it. And definitely. What would an astrologer say about that? Um, they would take a good look at that chart. Uh, we did that with my oldest daughter. She was born without a, a, a hip joint. Ah. And so um, we did that with her ch- chart. And it showed very clearly that she needed to have something like that to help her um, be able to process and grow in this lifetime. The name of the book is called Edgewalker. It has just come out. It is available on Amazon.com, her website. Is it in bookstores yet? I don't I don't know. Because everybody knows who you are. You betcha. <laughs> What's your next project then? The alien book? Yep, sure is. What do you expect to get out of that in terms I of don't know. information? You know, I, I, I've been working on this for a year now, and I've only... Found 28 cases. All right. Well, as promised, I'm going to send you information to our producers at Beyond Belief, our television show, and they may very well get a hold of you for a January trip to Colorado. You ready for that? Sure. Okay. You take care of yourself, PMH. <laughs> you too. Be well. What a great person. Name of the book, Edge Walker. Her website is linked up at coasttocoastam.com. What a wonderful person. Truly remarkable. For Dan Galanti, Donna Walker, Tom Danheiser, Lisa Lyon, Lex Lonehood, Sean LaDesor, Stephanie Smith, Chris Boros, Tim Banal, George Knapp, and Ian Punnett. I'm George Norrie somewhere out there on Coast to Coast AM. We'll see you on our next edition. Until then, be safe, everyone.